jump into our scripture here, and I'll talk about children's ministry uh, in the middle somewhere. We're in that, uh, we're in that third chapter of Ephesians, and we're looking at this piece where uh, we've, we've concentrated last week on the saying to me the very least of saints this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ that's an amazing statement that to put yourself in a personal uh, Paul, we can say Paul said it but can we say it it's a personal thing it's, it's, it have I received Am I the least? I am. Listen. It's not a contest for who's the leastest. It's just a recognition of, of uh, our lives at, at, for, uh, for me a long time as an enemy of God, an enemy of his Christ. It says this grace, this, 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 willful, this will and empowerment to do the will of God, to preach to the Gentiles. And it says that, that the unfathomable riches of Christ. What we're talking about is not something that cannot be known, but by the revelation of this mystery, we've plumbed the depths of what God really is on his heart and who he's like and what he's about. But today we're gonna we're gonna make the attempt <laughs> to get through uh, two verses, nine and ten. Tuesday night down in Denver, I got through zero verses. I didn't get through them. Um, but he talks about, he talks about this light. He says to bring to light, the ninth verse of the third chapter, to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God, who created all things. So that the manifold wisdom of God now be made known through the church to the rulers and to the authorities in heavenly places. I'll tell you what, nothing really is so descriptive, uh, so clear, so so um, exact as what he's talking about here. Because Paul has spent a great deal of time telling us about that this mystery he received, this revelation regarding this mystery uh, has, been, has been kept hidden. It's, been, it's not something that you can just go out and get your microscope or your telescope and find out. You can't do it. The full extent, the Jew no longer having to be the law keeper and the Gentile no longer stumbling about in the darkness trying to grab something that he can work with. But these two have not become now the best Tell you what, 
get that new car, I haven't had one yet, but when you get like a new car, all right, man, I've sat in a lot of them. They smell so good. <laughs> they do. But even as you're looking at it, even as you drive it off the lot, not only does the value decrease, but man, you, this is a depreciating item. <laughs> all right, the car I love driving is 2004 Saab 9.5 Man, if I could have a new one of those, something about it, something that's new. See, it doesn't come from that depreciating place. It's something that's new. And I'll tell you what, we can become so jaded because of our experience. And you talk to people who've had a struggle in marriage, and you know, you know, there's a sense of seen distance. 
see signs. I could, I mean, I could see up the street. It was like, it, I, it wasn't because, oh, I've lost that clarity, now I've got it back. No, I never had it. I thought the world was inherently fuzzy, except if you got you know, close by. But there's something about having our sight clear. There's something about light that it's just like sitting here, you know, when the sun is hitting those windows, it's very pleasant in here. It really is. It just kind of warms the whole place up, even though it may be like zero, minus zero outside. There's something about light that is a blessing. It's like daylight savings. Uh, and I got up way before I was even supposed to. So it was, it was like you wake up. I didn't wake up in the early sun. Somebody said they woke up like at midnight. It was like, that's like your bonus. You can go roll over. In college, I used to set the alarm like at 2 in the morning. Just so I could go, ha ha, I don't have to get up. I usually get up and make a sandwich. But, um, there's just something about light. And daylight savings gives us more light in the evening. It's a little dark on the front end, but light through the day. We like that. Or in, in May, Julie and I and our family are going to Alaska. We used to work in Alaska. And the sun wouldn't go down to like so cool, but you were so exhausted that you just keep going. Hey, it's light out. You'd have to put something over the window to stay asleep. But we enjoy that light. We enjoy that this, this knowing of God's wisdom starts out with life. Life reveals and it reveals that word as we receive that word. And what happens is the darkness in us begins to what? Leave us. The only darkness that stays, folks, is darkness that we hang on to, a memory that we can't let go of, a, threat, a relationship that we can't reconcile with, it keeps darkness in us. We can still see light, but we're opaque. And the people that encounter us don't see the clarity of Christ because we hold on to a little that, that dusk or dawn that we shouldn't. Because that light is meant to what? Fill us and cleanse us. So do this work that what we become transparent. The people can not see the best of us. They see Christ in us. They see Him. That guy that uh, uh, was part of our, my baptism when I was newly saved bonehead, right? And uh, I didn't know anything about the Bible. And uh, in a little village, teen, it wasn't even a village. It was like a post office and one store and one kind of city. And uh, this guy went on to. This, this clarity in our lives. And we don't think it of ourselves, and that is where that darkness can remain. But he says this, God's wisdom begins to be known through light. The second thing he says is that, he says, to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages was hidden in God, who created all things. But there's a, this administration, you know, for Every week I put kind of a title, stewardship, stewardship, stewardship. But I don't believe stewardship is as well understood 
if it's not tied with what the full meaning of the word stewardship means, it means not only the stewardship of something that is a responsibility, but it also means a what? An administration of how it's what? It, how, how it goes from there. What's the end result? And this word where he says to the, what is the, the, the administration of the ministry? This word administration, you'll like it, man. It's, it's one of the funner Greek words to say. Uh, it's okonoma. Okonomia. Okay? Not that one. Okay? But the first part of the word is oikos, which means house. And house that is managed in such a way where things are distributed. That there's a stewardship of what's been entrusted, but then there's this method of distribution that becomes a part of that, that, that piece of administration of the stewardship. And I think stewardship, to, to really grab it, we have to see both of the pieces of what stewardship is. To manage or distribute in the household. Stewardship means, you know what? Keeping your eye on the ball. Right? Alright, that means a little more than that though. But it means holding fast. See, this week we're talking about worship, and next week we're talking about uh, ministry, and then we're talking about missions. We're not going to do any of it. Because we're not holding what, what's happening is God's revealing that to us. It, it's not meant to make it into our behavior. It's just interesting. And so what happens is 20% of everybody in the church, 20% do 95% of all the work. And it's true. It's so true that so many feel disenfranchised from the, from the reality of being part of the local church. You know, the, I think my kids uh, more than once said, you know, Jimmy's house, uh, you know, the, his parents paying to make the bed. I said, well, Jimmy must be a guest. All right. no, you, you didn't pay me to pay the bills this week, did you? All right. You didn't pay me to go to work. All right. See, it's not teaching stewardship to provide entitlement to our kids. What provides health to our kids is that they're part of the family and we have all have something that we do with it. You're sitting there with a three-year-old and you're teaching them how to pick up their room. And it takes you 50 times longer to clean that room when you're teaching them than it does to just clean it. But if they don't learn how to clean it or what clean even looks like, then it becomes, it becomes something that it takes away from them. He's saying to this that there is a, there's a, a keeping our eye on the ball. I used to coach uh, uh, 10 such a fun age to teach baseball to any sport to so fun because it's the first years uh, or year that they begin to actually pitch kids pitch and the batter has to face that uh, high likelihood that they're going to get beat right and uh, when I was a kid man I could throw I could throw a ball like a rocket I could because I chunk rocks how many of you are rock chunkers as kids Ah, I wore my arm out, chunking rocks. Right? I would do it today. Man, I could throw a ball, man, so fast, but I had zero accuracy. Right? None. None I could depend on. And then you try to let go of it earlier. You try
great. It's, it's, it's too fine of a muscle uh, movement to say, I'm going to kind of aim the pitch. You are guaranteed. If you're not going to hit that bat, you're going to hit the parents in the, on the stands up here. <laughs> you may toss it over to some yard, okay, for example. About it is, is that man, those, those kids have to face this pitcher who's learning how to pitch and they are the guinea pig. And so you teach a kid, you know, keep you on the ball. And they kind of got that, all right? They kind of got it, okay? One of the little pitching drills you do is you stand next to them and just throw a baseball up and, and then they get that, that sense of the swing in the relationship to watching the ball. But it's different when they face the batter because they may be all about their eyes on the ball. But it's the lower half of them that gets them in trouble. Because the lower half is doing this in the batter's box. Why? Because escape, survival, self-preservation is a lot more important than hitting that ball. Not getting beamed is what life as a batter is all about. And the thing about it is, nobody, well, not at that age, nobody's going to get killed with a pitch. But when you're at that age, you're, you, when you get hit or hurt, don't want to cry, right? But you're going to cry. You're still that little boyish enough that you're going, to, you're going to cry. And man, of all things, you don't want to do it. You'd rather rip the back of your pants out, right? And have to play the rest of the game than cry uh, in a baseball game, all right? But there's something about helping these little kids, man, because you can keep your eye on the ball all day, but you're not going to swing the bat and meet the ball with any kind of velocity if your feet are set. There's something about this steward, this administration, this, this stewardship, which keeps our eye on the ball, but places us in a place where we're not fighting duality. Fighting duality means we're kind of double-minded. We want the things of God, but we want the things of the world too. We want to be different than anybody else, but we want to be kind of the same as everybody. Right? We want to what? Walk for Christ even though we might face persecution. And we still want people to like us. We walk in this kind of duality. Where we want something, we also want something else. And we're like a divided person. And what happens in the middle of it, it's like happy people. Because the Bible says we can't serve two masters. You'll either hate the one uh, or obey the other one, but you can't do both at the same time. And yet our experience in fidelity, in this, 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 this revelation of stewardship gives us fidelity. Fidelity is love in action. Right? During the wedding vows, you say, man, this, this is your wife and man you're going to have no, no love. This is your husband, and you will choose none other. That there is a kind of, something that happened. I was 21 years old when I said those words, and now I'm not that, I'm older than that now, and I still believe those words. But it hasn't been by fighting my eyes all the time because, you know, they're girls and they look nice and they do. I, I, there hasn't been that scrap. Because there is, there is this place that stewardship brings us to this place where there's the unfolding of the completion of the divinely arranged and imparted cycles of truth. That God begins to give us not only rules to keep, right? He brings to us a relationship of reconciliation with him where we begin to want the higher things more than we want the other things. We begin to want what God has rather than this compromise of what we can get on our own. And it's consummated in the truth.
truth relating to the church and the body of Christ. The punchline this morning is not going to be how much God loves us. Guess what? God loves us. It's not going to be how he, we, we can grow and have this magnificent life. And I, think, I really believe we are. It's not about this. It's a message that sometimes we feel a little oogie about because it's about us, not just about me. It's about us. I'll tell you what, five weeks ago or whatever, you know what? They cut down my leg, all right, to where they could take out my old knee and put in a new one. I was so glad I was asleep during the whole thing, all right? Please. And then there had to be this surgery. There had to be this change. There had to be this, 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 this injury that created a, heal a healing. There's something that God does that begins to what? Bring about something related to a greater, not only a healing, but a, a greater what? A clarity about the distribution of his wisdom. How this wisdom is going to get put out there. The word is manifest. How wisdom is going to be manifested. Manifested is different than observed. Manifested means it's given to be had by someone else. It's given in such a way that it not only impacts me, but that, that somebody else sees Christ in us, it's for them too. It's not about people admiring us. It's not about people thinking well of us. Because, you know, if you need that kind of gas in your tank, when it runs out, your place in Christ runs out too. At least that's your thinking. But you know what? This unshakable place that we had, he's, he's relating it to how this administration gets distributed. How this stewardship of this revealed mystery, of this gospel of Jesus Christ, the unfathomable commandments. I'm sorry about that. That's as close as I can get on that one. Unfathomable riches. It's going to be worse. <laughs> I preach. Do not preach, folks, in a way where we make those people that come in here acquiesce to us. We invite them to church, we want them to sit, and man, we're hoping they're having a good time, but all the while, we're asking them, man, here's how we do songs, here's how we do prayer, here's how we do fellowship. Instead of them being in an environment where God is in the middle of his people and distributing light through all the pieces, and where it talks about in Corinthians that everyone's heart is laid bare and they say, God is in this place. When is the last time that's happened here? Is that even our expectation? Do we even want that? I've seen it. But we get used to not having it. We get used that friendly is the best thing and everything else is just great. No, it's not true. There are parts of my body that are not friendly with other people. They're not, all right? They're not. My hands, your hands get washed a lot, right? They do. And man, you know, Julie has juices and, and, and bottles, all right? Now, 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 mine, I have like a little drawer of four things, okay? Two, two of them are just toothbrush and toothpaste, okay? I'm not saying that's better. I'm just saying, man, there are parts of our body that get a lot of attention, all right? The men's feet, man, men take care of their feet three times in their lifetime, and only because they're hurt, right? We don't care if we have those big old owl claws. You know how owls, they perch those claws, go all the way around the brain.
Right? And we don't care. You know, as long as they don't hurt, we're good. Right? And we have to take what? A grinder. Right? To get those those men to get thick, those claws get so thick. But you know, we don't care. It gets no, it gets as long as we can get it in a Nike, okay, or our Adidas, okay, then we're good. Cover it up with a sock, it's all fun. But a wife finds sooner or later, you know what, man, these are just lots. There's, there's parts we just don't care about. You know, there's parts you're not even, and I'm not even mindful. You know, the pancreas is probably the most ugly part of your body. All right? Nobody's, nobody says, oh, there's the pancreas. Okay? They'll say, man, show me anything else besides that. And yet, how important it is. You're, all your pancreases, okay, are working today, and you did nothing. No goop, no potion, no, no juice, okay? Not even a grinder. You don't do anything to it to make it better or function better or be seen as better. And yet we are forsaken that. So we ask people to acquiesce when they come, but what they need from us is, man, they need our help to bring this through this transparency, the light through us to them. So that they don't learn our little songs and our little way of getting along with things. They miss out on this introduction to Christ. This certainty, not only that they're going to heaven, but this absolute understanding that they're a part of the body of Christ. 20% does 90%. Man, I have fought that for 45 years. Man, I can't stand it. I can't stand people that, man, man, we have one family member who called me Reverend Rick. Man, I hated that one. I hated that. Right? He, I mean, he did it just to get me. Right? I did his funeral. I said, listen, you can do anything you want, but brother, I'm doing your funeral. Guess what? I can say whatever I want. <laughs> no, man, no. It's not Reverend and somehow there's this laity. It's baloney. It's a lie of the devil. It's a lie that takes away from both stewardship and administration. It's a lie that takes, it, it, it shuts the blinds to light. Every part of the body. Have you been in that church where every part of the body is contributing? Every part of the body. I'm not talking about being busy or being, <coughs> I'm not even talking about being faithful. I'm talking about being genuine. That there's something about the genuineness, the authenticity of the body of Christ, the world is yet to see. And we postpone it every day for another day. And at some point, we're going to be held accountable for it. I really believe that. Sooner than later, Lord. Not so that we get off in our rear ends and go do something. That's not it. We have to be something. Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power off from on high. Then you'll be my witnesses. You won't just go out and witness You'll be something. You are something if you know Christ. You need to find out what that is. And the only way that you find out is by light. And by taking that word in, like the psalm is in Psalm 119, it says, you know what? Hide that word. Lord, I've hidden that word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've what? I've insulated myself from temptation. I'm living a life that's based on life. It's not based on a secret life. There's something about what God does in our lives. He says that, man, not only did he what? Bring this administration of the mystery, but it was kept hidden for ages. 
and it was kept hidden in such a way of by him who created all things. God has an end game. And we think his patience is just going to last forever. And we can fiddle around, and we can hybridize our faith, and we can mix Americanism, our flesh, and all God loves it all because occasionally we come before his word, his, into his house and we sing a song. It doesn't work that way. He is genuine through and through. And he taps us on the shoulder, taps us on the shoulder, blows on the calls of our heart, and we end up finding light so that we can still have a little darkness. So we can still keep that unforgiveness. So we can still what? Have that sneaky light. And I know, man, I know how hard it is. But I'll tell you what, I have never been interested in sitting in a Is this it? You'd read about what? Armies being overcome. Victories won. From nothing, something. Healing. Oh, you read about all these things. And we sit in a pew. And we bear it. There's no mark from you being here. I've said for two weeks now, man, we're going to do this thing with children's ministry. Man, it's not a commandment. It's an opportunity. Misty Thrasher has been doing this for three years. Have we even gone down and looked at what she's doing? Do we, even, do we know the kids? Do we like them? Or are they just not in here and we can do this? I'm not, man, I'll tell you what, God's telling me, change it. Change the culture. Not because I want to make you feel bad. I want to make you who you are. God wants to make us who we are. And I said, man, back in the back, there's a sign of and it's not forever. But it's, man, 12 weeks. We need to, as a church, turn our heart to our kids. We need to. We need to find out what it takes. Children's ministry is 52 weeks a year. And we close our eyes and let somebody else do it as if it just goes back. But what we miss out on is kids. We miss out on, on, on the kids that are here. And we don't build a heart for the kids that are at work. So we're going to turn our heart to it. And you can disobey me. But I'll tell you what. There's people in here right now saying, the children's ministry is not for me. Well, listen. It is for you. It's not for you to, to do it begrudgingly. But can you follow a pastor? Can you follow them? Or I'm just going to readjust it and make it look like what I want it to look like. Well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> listen. Some of the greatest lessons are, lear are learned and I don't want to. I'm not making you, but challenging you. Man, it's going to be safe down there. We're not asking you to come up with lesson plan. We'll take care of all that. We're asking what? For your availability and your willingness. And after 12 weeks, we'll be changed. And what will happen is those people that have a greater heart for this will rise to the surface. But this person downstairs keeping our children so that they're not messing with us, we go, no, man, that ends, that ends in this season. It does. So I'm not going to make you sign. But don't say you're following Christ if you can't follow those he sends to lead you. This peace about being what? This, it's revealed that he's the creator of all things. He has an end game. 
And it's time, Christians, man, it's time to grow up. And we grow up into children rather than we grow up into seasoned adults. Man, it says if you don't receive the kingdom like a child, you cannot enter. A child receives something. <laughs> Listen, we had two grandchildren over yesterday, okay? Uh, seven and six. All right, can't really believe that. All right? And they know, man, I'm going to attack them the whole time they're there. And I'm going to mess with them. We're going to place fire. We're going we're gonna to wrestle. We're gonna, we, we, we just know it. I said, I said to Ryder, uh, he's seven, I said, how many times have you been attacked? He says, every time. <laughs> every time. Why? I didn't get into their world. He comes and shows me his little game or she... Uh, Joe, six, found a phone. And she now was like, her, it's my phone. So we found a charger and started working. And now she's thinking, my phone, I could, you know, she said in the back of the car on the way to our house, her dad told me, look how big I'm getting, Dad. I'm six now, and I have a phone. <laughs> and he's saying, well, the phone may disappear a little bit. <laughs> it may go away, because <laughs> it's not your phone. Right? There's something about this end game. God knows. Creator of the world, what's best for us, what we need, but more importantly, man, what's in his heart? And he's chosen that through this organism of the body of Christ, he's chosen the unlikelihood of us even getting along, much less becoming the various parts, this, this many, uh, this immense variety, okay, of wisdom being expressed. He knows what he wants to bring about. See, people have this belief that when they step into heaven, it's all almost like uh, a fairy dust. Cling to cling. And I'm now this person who loves God with all my heart. I'm now this person that doesn't think any wrong thoughts. I'm now this person. See, that's not going to work that way. This season of our life, this time on earth, is a privilege to serve him, having had what? A heart against him, having a heart changed with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and living in such a way that what? Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He came what? To equip the bound. And he came what? To release what? The ready. That's our only mission. He knew that. So that we step into heaven, we're more used to that world than this one. We're more used to his will being done, Lord, and not my own. We're more used to being less of me and more of him. I don't think we're going to get stars or anything you know what? We're preparing for heaven now. Heaven's like doing winning a lottery. It's not like that at all. It's a relationship. Listen, I know it will be special. I will be uh, wherever. I hope I'm driving, not driving. Maybe I don't want to hurt anybody else. <laughs> I'm walking into somebody's house to do a little thing in Trinidad or some other place, maybe Vermilion. Alright? And all of a sudden it's like, I fall over. Okay? It says that I won't experience death. It says that I what? It says to be absent from the body is to be what? Present of the Lord. There he is. And I'm sure it's going to blow my mind. I'm sure. It's far beyond what I've ever thought or ever or, or ever or, or ever even uh, pretended or thought about. Right? But Paul says to, to, to be with Christ, to be home with Christ, as a spectacular as it will be, it will be our home. It won't be like this, like Disney World. It will be our home. We belong there. And he has a, 
an end game. Read the seventh chapter of Revelation sometime. You'll see the end game. He says this wisdom is of God. This, 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 oh, let's go back to manifold. Uh, Polypoikilos. Polypoikilos. It almost sounds like right? It means, polos means much, okay? And poikilos means what? Diverse, varied, multicolored, abounding in variety. I've heard this preached that the body of Christ is this abounding variety, and that's how God expresses it. That is not what it's saying. It's talking about God's manifold wisdom. It talks about people running into his wisdom in Walmart, at work, at the gas station. And it's not by people who just want to put a notch in their gun and have a story. Hey, I read, talked to this lady at Walmart. It was so good. She was so burdened. And when I prayed for her, she cried. Well, where is she? Well, she's still at Walmart, I guess. Listen, if you find a treasure and you don't take it home, I, I, I think that's wicked. They may not come home with you. They not, may not respond to your love. But, but do, we, do they get any? Can we make that attempt? They may not connect with us, but 10 years later, somebody else steps in their path, and they go, yeah, I talked to this dude, Paul. Yeah, like, I don't know, man, man, a decade ago, man, he said the same thing. You know what? Man, this, I need to get right with the Lord. It's not wasted. But they've had the real thing, they get the real thing, and then they are the real thing. We've all experienced that. It talks about the wisdom of God. This Sophia is the Greek word. It's simply this, knowledge of the things that really matter to God. He's telling us what his heart is like. He's telling us what he thinks. He's telling us his motive. He's, he's displaying his underlining, what, motive for doing what he's doing. That's the same motive we have. It says we're to love each other even as Christ loved the church. What? Yeah, not imitated like love, like the real thing. God's love is loving them. Wow. That, I'm not thinking. Too good to even talk about. We can't understand anything of God unless he reveals himself. We can't. I don't care how sappy you get or how I, you know, I used to write these songs, Christian songs. Oh, they were very miserable. <laughs> sappy. You know, I wrote these letters to Julie when I was in Alaska working. We were married. We were dating at the time. I I have them. I'm going to bring them sometime. They are so funny. It's like I've become the Apostle Rick, and I'm preaching the Word. <laughs> Man, it was so, such a precious time, though. There was this growing wisdom that we might what? All right? That we might know. We might be made, it might be made known. Ginazo. Ginasco. Man, you'll run into this word all the time in the Bible in terms of what? Knowing. It means to experientially know. We had a guy that was going to lead a trip for us to go snow caving. I had four high school kids that were boys that were going to go with me. I've never snow caved before. And, you, and we were going to cross country ski into Wyoming where these drifts were deeper than this building. And we were going to, great, it's awesome, let's do it. Like 20 below. Night before, this guy calls me, Rick, I was getting my equipment put together and then I took my knife out to sharpen it and then he sliced my hand and I had to go get stitches. He said, You can come over and get the stuff and still do it. <laughs> so I did. And so I sat there in his living room. He said, Man, we snow cave. I said, Dude, he went down, over, and up. And then we 
round it out. Right? And then what you do is, is that you uh, put plastic down and then you light like three or four candles. And what will happen is that it will melt. The ceiling of that snow kettle will start to melt. But because it's still cold in there, then it will freeze and it won't put water on you all night. And that's all I knew. <laughs> so we, we speeded like three miles, just far enough to where nobody can find us or and man, we dug down. It was, I mean, it's compact snow. It's tough, man. You're like, it's like styrofoam you're, you're digging out of there. And you dig down, you go in, the dome domes up, and you're working so hard, you're just so sweaty. And we built a fire, and the fire on top of the snow, pretty soon it's like eight feet down there, right? The fire is not even warm up here, right? And this, you gotta change your clothes. And I'm standing on, I'm standing on this little piece like a little towel. Outside, trying to change my clothes. I went from being so hot to being like boxer. Right? And we spent the night in this thing. I don't think I slept a bit because I kept thinking all it has to do is whoop. <laughs> it won't even make a sound. <laughs> and parents have trusted these kids to me. But you know, I knew it was mine. I really did. I never have done it again in my life. <laughs> it was so miserably cold, but I knew it. Experienced it. I have this story, and, and uh, the parents I told them when I got back, just like to inform them, and they were like, they were like, "What's wrong with you? All right? You had no experience. You had no expertise. No, I do now." But it says that this to be made known, this manifest, uh, this, this 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 manifestation of this what, this manifold, this particle, for Cleos. It's much. Variety through what? The church. The church is the word ecclesia. Okay? The, the first part of that, ek, means to be out. And kaleo, the second part of the word, means to be called out. We're called out. I remember in grade school getting called out. To, and then after school, we were going to duke it out with some uh, Philip Robinson. Right? And uh, he called me out. Okay? So I showed up. Right? It's the first time I ever slid my fist down the brick wall of the school to try to hit this kid. Kind of over five or so years. I didn't hit him, hit the wall. Called out once. The body of Christ is called out. The church in First Corinthians, Colossians 1.25 says, of this church I was made a ministry according to the stewardship from God uh, bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might what? Fully carry out the preaching of the word. That is the mystery which has been hidden from ages past and generations. But it's been meant what? Manifested to his saints. It's been given to them. And to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with, us, with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Is that what we say? Are we what? Proclaiming him. Are we admonishing, teaching with all wisdom so that what? We may present them complete in Christ. No, we just want them to come to church and like us and be better. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. A policeman doesn't learn how to be the friends of every citizen. He is friendly, but he represents something that is for the protection of those citizens. And then he says that this, this clarity is going to happen to what? Rulers and authority in heavenly places. I'll, I'll begin with this this time. When he says that the 
what he's doing is that this revelation through the church of God's wisdom is being done to rulers and authorities in heavenly places. He's talking about two kinds of authority. He's talking about this first one, these rulers, is this word arche, like we get archangel. Or archvillain. We've heard both of them. We're dealing with both of them. Right? He's talking about those who have the power to delegate authority. He's talking about seraphim in heaven. He's talking about archangels in heaven. But then he talks about this other crew, which is what? These authorities, it's the Greek word exousia, which means they have the ability to execute or carry out authority. We have these folks that are what? Granted the power to do what, what they're told to do. And whether you're dealing with the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness, they both deal with arche and exousia. There's a plan to deceiving you from, from the kingdom of darkness. It's a scheme, Paul says. And he's good at it because he knows how to get at us. He's been practicing this for, for millennia. But he says what? That there is this knowing... Right? By angels, what in the world, what is possible for us to teach angels who look on the face of God? But see, salvation is not something that they know about. They know about it. They don't know it and what it's about. They don't see these broken human beings that are so bent towards selfishness and sin, laying down their lives for his sake, and finding that new life, letting that light shine through them, being connected with other believers as the body of Christ, making this what? The, taking to school the spiritual realm. They are the students and we are the teachers. We're the ones that are describing in our behavior, in our words, in our willingness, in our thankfulness, in our humility. We are telling them about the heart of God to those that, what, see the face of God all the time. 1 Peter 1.10, I'm not going to read it right now. It's a good one. It talks about things which angels look, uh, long to look at. Things into which angels long to look. And it demonstrates to the bodiless demons and their leaders. It tells them that God is indivisible in his character. Our oneness tells the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness, that God is indivisible in what his character is regarding what? Those that are being saved. That oneness that escapes us. That's so easy to have with people that think like us. It's not even explored with people that are different. Manifesting his victory over death and the setting the last time your church saw those being saved daily in this moment. We fight so hard to protect our salvation in the future. But the light somehow, folks, doesn't quite make it through. Because this force that he's describing here, this administration of this mystery, is an unstoppable
God is great, but I don't think it applies that way. We begin to what? Pick and choose. It's not because we're mean people, folks. It's not because we're devious and, 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 and awful and I'm, I'm coming at you. It's not that. It's that we're so self-oriented. If my pancreas worked independently, like the body of Christ, with 20% of my body doing 95% of the work, we wouldn't have made it to childhood. But because we haven't seen it, somehow we believe God is talking in, in, in these, man, try harder at this because really you're going to end up down there. That's baloney. Because there is no other organism, there is no other administration, there's no plan B that God has. We are the first team. We are. There's no bus coming from Milwaukee to be the first team. churches that preach the word of God. We're to love them. We're to know them. But we're also meant to what? Do business with them with the calling that God's put. Each local church represents the body of Christ that each piece brings something unique to the rest. So today as we take a look at how <laughs> when we take a look at how God's wisdom is made known and it's made known through light, enlightening, to make everyone see. It's brought about by an administration. An administration that has stewardship in its heart, keeping eyes on the ball, but it's also, man, getting our feet dug in to make the swing. But it's also this, what? This dispensing of this, this distributing, where it talks about unfolding the completion of the divinely arranged and imparted cycle of truth that God from creation has been at this work, which is consummated in the truth relating to the church being the body of Christ. See, only God can reveal this. We can't know it unless he reveals it. And it's manifold. He reveals his wisdom. He shows us how, what about his wisdom? He shows us how God's wisdom is known by that abounding variety of his manifold wisdom. And this wisdom is the knowledge of the things that really matter to God. They become our heart, our thoughts, our love, our discernment, our knowing. And that this wisdom, how God's wisdom is known, is brought about by wisdom, really getting to us. It makes it to us. But as it comes to us at light, man, it pushes out the darkness. Man, there's going to come a time in all of our lives we're going to love conviction. We're going to love it. We're going to love it more than self-deception. We're going to love it. And it's not because we're becoming holy than now. It's because what? We're becoming genuine, authentic, different, just a different goal. Talks about what? That, that it might be made known. This experiential knowledge that I actually went to the snow cave and dug it out and slept in it. I was experienced the knowledge of God. I traded the wisdom of God for all the wisdom. Christ is the wisdom of God. And it's now through the church, known through by way of the church. There's no other way he's doing it. Listen, he's doing it to rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Listen, he's not, he, we want this scripture to end with, it, it matters to kings on earth, it matters to bosses, it matters 
it matters to people of influence. He's saying, it, if it matters in heaven, it's going to matter here. Jesus took his blood into what? The Holy of Holies in heaven. And got something done in such a way that what? It was received. God said, redemption has come. My son has done the work. And it's the same way with our professorship in regard to the spiritual realm. If it plays in heaven, if it makes a difference, if it's received in heaven, then what? Man, it's going to be something that manifests itself here. But I'm not using the resources of here to try to reach here. I'm using what? All that is in heaven. This what? That God says, man, he wants this kingdom on earth just as it is in heaven. It's an unstoppable force. For most of us, it's not been experienced yet. But it comes down to a place, folks. It's not about getting busier. Will I follow when he leads? Will I allow the leadership that God put in the body of Christ to lead me? Will I allow it? Will I allow myself to be equipped? Will I quit saying I don't want to? Will I allow this baby to be born? Will I go through the travail? Man, as a church, we need to address our own kids, and it will help us address Father, we just bless you this morning. We just thank you that you're real. And what you're doing in our lives is, Father, to allow the light in. Allow it. And, Father, to embrace your administration, your, your, your stewardship, Father, is not just something Paul had. And the stewardship belongs to us. Manifested, it says, to the saints. Will we hug up on it? Will we allow it? Will we... Will we, will we take it on into the inside of us? And will we be that distribution? Will we be that, 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 that body of Christ? Will we find ourselves not only hungry for our own giftedness and purpose, but interested in other people and their giftedness and their purpose? Will we learn how to found them in the Word? Will we learn, are they really saved? Do they really know what Christ has done for them? Have they really received by faith what God has said? Do they know what it means to deny themselves? Do they know what it means to abide in Him? Do they know what it is that the Lordship of Christ is unchangeable? Do they know that the love that they're to give to others comes from heaven and not their own desire for people? Do they know that Jesus has called them to make disciples of all nations? So Father, I just thank you. I cannot say any longer.
is your character. We count how to give you. But you're not asking us to give so that, Lord, you'll be mad at us if we don't. Because you're not mad after you give something. Even though we may misuse that gift, man, you are still free-handed with it. And Father, what you give us, we need to receive and not clutch down on it like, oh, wow, this is mine and I just, no, it's always yours. We need to have it. Because we know that, Lord, if we seek your kingdom and your righteousness, you will add everything to us. That's really all of us and each of us find that out. So we bless you for that in Jesus' name.
thousands of people could come to Christ in one day by the preaching of your gospel, Lord, that we would believe this report, God, and that we would come to you as a church, Father, as individually, um, that, that the arm of the Lord would be revealed here to us at Jesus, Lord, that, that we wouldn't live off of, of just Rick's word or, or other people's word, Father, or the testimony of others, but that the, the testimony of Christ would be revealed individually to us, Lord, in a way that transforms the very core of who we are, Lord, that brings us, just like Paul, from murderers um, to people who demonstrate the manifold wisdom of God to the world. Lord, so I just pray, Father, for this revelation, God, that we wouldn't be frustrated by always trying to change our performance, but instead that we would come to you, Lord, and by your revelation, God, and by your report, Lord, that we would be changed and become a body um, that demonstrates who you are, Father. So I just thank you for this morning, God. I thank you for the, the immense grace that you've poured out, God, and I pray that your grace for us would not be in vain, Lord, but it, it, would, it would produce the church, Father, that you've um, planned from before the foundation of the world, God, that you've had this plan, Lord, and that we would walk, walk in that. So, Father, I, I just pray all these things um, in Jesus' name, Lord, and that we would, we would walk in that. Amen.